Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sand Hill, FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast you're about to enjoy was given live before the congregation at Sand Hill. It's our desire as a church to live Christ to people while loving people to Christ. We pray that this podcast will invigorate and encourage your walk with Christ because here at Sand Hill, we believe that Christians can still be unwavering in our faith if we hold fast to the absolute truth of God's mighty word. For more sermons like this, as well as additional content, we invite you to visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Uh, we will be in the book of Romans this morning, Romans chapter 1. Um, just going to be real honest about the message this morning. Uh, this message has um, really got a hold of me. Uh, it, it has really shook me to my core. I've, I've been studying it and studying it. I've, I've went over it multiple times, prayed, and, and just really, uh, um, it's really got a hold of me. And so the message may be a little different this morning, but I'm going to try to just speak to you from my heart. <clears throat> but before we read the text, let me ask you a question. What do we do? What do we do when when our human reason, what, what what maybe we would call common sense, what do we do when we read that and it doesn't seem to line up with the Bible? Anybody ever have that problem? I, I hear people say things like, um, "Well, you know, I believe God understands," and what they're saying is, if we clearly contradict the Word of God, I still believe God understands. You know, He understands whatever. You know, we don't get to do that. The Bible is right. What we're going to read this morning, uh, most everyone here is going to say, I disagree with it uh, because it does not seem right to our uh, humanness. So does our human opinion change God? No. Right. God's right. So you can read, we can read this this morning and you can say, well, there's a different understanding. Or I have a different interpretation. Whatever. I'm just going to read the Bible and take it for what it says. I just believe in the word of God. And um, but. Uh, a warning, it, it, it will go kind of against what every one of us here kind of feel in our heart. So let's read uh, word, the Word of God. If you're able, I ask you to stand. Romans uh, chapter 1, uh, verse number 18. <clears throat> um, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolishness was darkened and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like unto corruptible man and to the birds and four footed beasts and creeping things. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for all that are here. Thank you for this privilege to stand behind the holy desk one more time. Lord, may you remove me out of the way. May your Holy Spirit speak to all of us, I pray in Jesus' name. And amen. <clears throat> Be seated. 
So, what does this scripture teach us? What does this scripture teach us? It, in, in last week we learned that the, the righteousness of God was revealed. So God revealed his righteousness. And, and really Paul's kind of using that the gospel brought the righteousness of God into, into focus where we can understand it. But there's only one righteousness of God. There's only one way to get to righteousness of God. And Paul made that clear. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is how we get righteousness and that is by faith. So this week he says the wrath of God is revealed. So it's kind of the other side. You say, who is it revealed to? It says all of the uh, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, here's a strange thing for you. We read this. It says ungodliness and unrighteousness. And you could be thinking to yourselves, this is talking about the rapists and the murderers and, the, you know, the homosexuals, all of those bad things we think about. But you know what that word means in the Greek? It's interesting. You know what that word means in the Greek? It means those that do not reverence God. Those that don't reverence God. Think about that. If you don't respect God, if you don't honor God, if you don't put him where he belongs, that's talking about you. Right? That kind of brings it into a different light. So, but, so then it goes on to say uh, that they hold the truth in unrighteousness. So it is saying they have a level of truth, but they're still living ungodly. Is that what it's saying? I think that's really clear what it is saying. <clears throat> and then it goes on to say that because they, what they have, uh, that which was made known of God is manifest to them. Do you guys know what that is saying? God as shows himself to everyone. There's something inside of us. God shows himself to us. And it says, uh, it says plainly, for God hath shewed it unto them. So, so there is a revelation to all men. And then it goes on in verse 20 to talk about the invisible things which are made from creation. Uh, no one has ever seen God, the God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. We've, we've never seen that with our visible eyes. Uh, but it says here, there's enough evidence from creation and everything else in us. If you do not find Jesus Christ your Savior, you will die and go to hell. Is that fair? Is that right? Is that okay? We don't get to vote. (laughs) We don't get to vote. We're not having a business meeting here. Listen, God said you accept Jesus or you die and go to hell. If you've never been preached the gospel and you've never been uh, presented, uh, uh, you've never lived in a, where there was a church, if you're not around all of those things, we would think in our humanness, well, God understands they don't know any better. But this text says... This text says there's plenty of evidence to know there's a God. How do you get up in the morning and there's this huge fireball in the sky and someone keeps it right where it's supposed to be? How do you get up in the morning and understand that the rain comes at the time to produce crops so you can eat and have a living? How do you see everything in the universe can, uh, uh, functioning as it is supposed to? How do you have health and all the things that you have? How do we explain the, the, the life that comes from a man and a woman? How do all these things happen and there is no God? There's plenty of evidence. And aside from all the evidence of creation, if, if you still have your Bible open, if you look at uh, uh, verse, chapter 2 and verse 15, it said, 
which shew the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You know what that's saying? And then it says over there what we read, that God revealed himself to us. You know what that's saying? Not only is there creation that you look around at and you see, you see all of the creation, you say there has to be something there. There has to be a supernatural being there. There has to be something. Not only that, but there is something inside of us that we just know there's a God. Is that true? So again, back to you've never been around church. You've never been, you've never heard the gospel. You've never heard a preacher. You, you, you know nothing about the Bible. You know nothing about anything. But there's just something inside of you that tells you there is a God. Well, that's not fair, preacher. I, I don't agree with that. I didn't write it. It's just what the Bible says. It, it is clearly what the Bible says. And those people will die and go to hell if they do not find Jesus. Now, that, that, is, the, that is the teaching of the Scripture. And, and, and so we think about some of these cultures. Uh, you think about uh, in some of these depraved places where there is no gospel and where there is no church and where there is no Christianity in some, in some of these countries. And they are fully given over to witchcraft and idolatry and occult and Satanism and, and sexual perversions and all of the terrible things that they're given over to. So can you imagine being... Being born as a little boy and raised up in that kind of a culture where all there are are witch doctors, satanic things and cults all around you. No gospel, no truth, no Bible, no nothing. And God says, if you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. Anybody want to vote that that's not fair? But that's what the Bible says. Now, if you don't think that's right, and you don't agree with that, which is clearly what the Bible teaches, so you're just going to have to twist the Scripture around to disagree with that. But can I just say this? If you don't agree with that, our missionaries are doing a great disservice. Because if we have people over there who are ignorant and they're going to go to heaven, we are doing them a great disservice by taking them the gospel so they will know the gospel and reject it and go to hell. Right? So we'd be doing them more of a favor if we never tell them about Jesus. That way they could just happily go to heaven. But the Bible says if they don't repent and find the gospel, they will die and go to hell. So we send them the gospel by missionaries so they will know that this is how you get to heaven is by Jesus Christ. That, that is the truth of the Bible. And that is how this is normally taught. And this is how that is usually presented and uh, that is the traditional, if you will, way of looking at this scripture. But as I begin to look at this, I was kind of really troubled, to be real honest with you. Uh, so if everybody got the meaning of the word, I want to make sure I got the definition of this scripture out to you. Got it made it clear. Is there something else we can see here? Is there something else here besides the, the barbarian who lives in a mud hut in Africa? Is there anything else in this scripture? As I begin to study this, and as I begin to look at this, and Lord begin to prick my heart, I guess my eyes just really begin to become opened. Does this scripture apply to the people living in the United States of America in 2021? Does it? Because we always want to apply it to those who live over there and those who don't have the gospel. But what about if you live in a country that was founded on the Bible and on Christianity, but now is so full of false teaching, false doctrine, false gospels, false churches, false Christianity, that were you raised up, uh, that the truth is seemingly hid from you. 
Will you go to heaven if you don't get saved? No. Now just, just, th- th- just think about this this morning. How many people today, how many people today are a member of a church somewhere in the United States of America and they've never been born again? And when this life is over, they will die and go to hell. Let's go a little bit farther. How many preachers will stand in a pulpit today that have never been saved and will die and go to hell when this life is over? How many people are walking around this nation all around, as we've, as we've said many times, how many people are walking all around this nation saying, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I am a Christian. They're not living a Christian life. They're not living according to the Bible. They're not. They've never been saved. But they say, I believe in Jesus. You know, there are people who think that if you're in the United States of America, that makes you a Christian. <laughs> right? So will those people make it to heaven? They have good intentions. They mean well. Will they make it to heaven? The answer is no. Those people will not go to heaven. Those people will die and go to hell. And I believe that this scripture here, though it, though it fits very well with, the, with the, the, those who are places where there are no gospel, I believe we can lay this down just as clearly and say that though you are living in a country where, where the gospel has been very muddied up, where, where the gospel is so, so distorted and perverted, it is no longer a gospel, where Christianity is no longer clear, where the preaching is, is often false, where there's all of these things that can deceive you, God says in the midst of that, if you don't find the truth, you're going to die and go to hell. Is anybody with me this morning? Is this, is, is this, this, is, this is hard. So, if that is true, what are we supposed to do about that? What are we, and that's really what kind of got me on this message. Because the idea that people that don't know, don't know the Bible and don't know Jesus are going to die and go hell, that's heartbreaking, but it's true. And the idea that we need to send missionaries to those people, that, that is true. And I think that we all understand that. But bringing it home, what about those that are here in the United States of America who are just so confused about what right and wrong is? Are there any people today that you know that are really, really good people? But they're so confused about religion that they don't have any idea how to get to heaven. You know, we have politicians. We have a president now who says, I'm a devout Catholic. At the same time, signing it's legal to kill babies. And no one seems to think there's a problem with that. Right? It, that's... And that's the life that we live in. And, and, and we, can, we can be a preacher and we can, uh, we can do all kinds of sinful things. We can, there, in other words, our mouth says one thing and our life says another. And there's no one that even blinks an eye and says, is there anything wrong with this? And in the midst of all of that, and in the midst of all of this country that we're living in, are our people, and I'm talking about the United States of America, are our people going to be held accountable even though the truth seems to be really hidden right now? Are they going to be held accountable? And the answer is yes. Now, if that is true, if you guys are tracking with me, if that is true, we need to take a long look in the mirror. We need to take a long look in the mirror. Now, I'm just going to speak to you from my heart. I know this isn't a normal message for me. I'm just, I, I don't have a fancy outline or a fancy points or anything else. I'm just going to speak from my heart. I'm going to speak to, to the congregation Sand Hill this morning from my heart. 
And, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to do this. I've begged and begged and pleaded with God to just help me to say this in the right way. But, um, but I, I'm just going to talk to you guys. I would like to take a look at the Sandhill Church. I, I hope you guys know that I have a pastor's heart. You guys know I have a pastor's heart. You can fault me for a lot of things and you can get mad at me for a lot of things. But I love the people of this church. I love everybody in this church. I love this church. This church is my life. And I hope everybody here knows that, and I hope everybody realizes that. We have some blessings and some obstacles in this church that a lot of other churches don't have. And I was thinking about this message, and this is why it kind of probably shook me so much. You've got to kind of be careful what you ask for, because I can remember when I first started pastoring, I said, this is what I want, and this is what I've got now, and now that I've got it, I don't know what to do with it, right? It, now, now it is becoming a great challenge, but, but you know what we have at this church? We have a multi-generational church. You say, so? Travel around a little bit. There are a whole lot of churches, the youngest person there is 65 years old, and nobody they're any younger than that, right? There's just nobody there, there's only one generation there. Can I say that's not God's plan? Listen, this is not an old person's church. This is not a young person's church. This is not a little kid's church. It's not a middle-aged church. This is, this is everyone's church. And we are blessed with we are blessed with some that are older than me. We are blessed with some that are my age. We are blessed with some that are in their 20s and 30s. And we are blessed with little tiny kids. We are a multi-generational church, which praise God. That is a tremendous blessing. Thank God we have it. And I am so thankful for that. That is what I want. That is what God's plan is. But here's the problem. How many know that 20-year-olds and 70-year-olds don't see things the same way? All right? Who's right? Let me make you a promise as your pastor. Everything that the older ones want is not a bad thing. Some of it is a very, very good thing. And let me tell you for surety, everything the young people want is not a bad thing. But it's not the same. It's different. Right? And so how do you have a multi-generational church with all these... Uh, and listen to me, it won't be no time. I can remember standing up here preaching very clearly. I can remember standing up here preaching. <laughs> I remember saying, uh, it won't be long until me and Darren will be old. Guess what? We're old, right? I can remember when our kids were just you know, little tiny ones running around church. Now they're grown adults got their own family. It won't be no time till Casey and Callum will be full-grown adults. That's how life works. And they're going... Listen to me. They're going to have all kinds of crazy ideas that the 20-year-olds now are going to say, what is wrong with them people? They're crazy. Right? That's how it works. Every generation comes along and something is different. So we have options. We can throw out all the old people and we can just do things the new way. We can get rid of all the young people and we can just do things the old way. But here's what God's told me. I sent you there to bring them all together and have church the way I want them to have it. Does anybody think that's a big job? That's a big job, okay? But that's what God's given me to do. And I have felt that so strongly for many, many years. Not only do we have a multi-generational church, we have a multi-belief church. And trust me, we have a multi-belief church. There was a day 40 years ago that probably 99.9% of the people who went to this church, they believed the exact same way, they were raised the exact same way, they had the back same background, they had the same culture, they had the same beliefs, everything was exactly the same. There were two or three things we differ on, but everything was the same. And everything you bring up, it was all, we all believed the same. We have people come in now who have no church background whatsoever, never been raised a church a day in their life. We have people who have come in from all different kinds of denominations, all kinds of different beliefs, all kinds of things that aren't Christianity. We have those that have been raised Baptist very different than Baptists that we are. 
We have all, so then you put all of this, you know, they call, the, they call America the, the melting pot. That's what we are saying here. We're getting to be just a culture of all kinds of different beliefs. So how do you pastor that, by the way? How do you pastor that? Let's just go back to the way we always did it before. Okay, now we've got three members of the church that's mad at us. Let's just do it a brand new way and throw out everything out. Okay, now we've got a big chunk of the church that's mad at us. Let's just, you know, we want, we, want, we want this. Yeah, but a whole bunch of them don't want this. Well, let's not. See, no matter what you do, there's a people that don't want to do that. Okay? Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay? I have a solution, by the way. We have not only a multi-generational church, we have not only a multi-belief church, but we have a multi-maturity church. This is a challenge. There are people in this church that are very biblically, have a lot of biblical knowledge. They're very deep in the word. When I get up and preach, they want something deep. They want something powerful. They want something that will challenge them they've they've never heard before. They are very mature in their faith. We have others in here who have almost no understanding of the Bible and need something very, very shallow. Sister Brenda's having a problem right now. They've come to me over it and we're trying to resolve it. And, And it happens in church very often. But when you're trying to teach almost babies and kids who are up in school in the same class, it's a challenge. You get down on this level, these people here are bored out of their mind. You get up on this level, they don't understand a word you're saying. And how do you teach to that thing? You've got to split the class up because there's too much of a thing there. Try preaching to this congregation. There are some of you that are, that are way deep that if I don't go super, super deep, you're bored out of your mind. And there are others, if I go just a tiny bit deep, you've lost everything I've said. Right? Are you guys with me? That's that's the church that we have. And that's a blessing. That's what church is supposed to be, by the way. All these things I'm saying is exactly what church is supposed to be and exactly what I said I wanted to be. It just presents some challenges. And we also, not only multi-generational, not only multi-belief, not only multi-maturity, but we also have a multicultural background. Not everybody here was raised the same way. Again, 50 years ago, Almost every last person in this church was raised exactly the same way, right? But I'll tell you, there was a time everybody here liked cornbread and soup beans. And then you came in. <laughs> Changed everything in our church, right? Now, we all still think that's really strange, but by the way, it's, it, it's not like it used to be. Now, it used to be you get a 100% vote on that cornbread and soup beans. Everybody raise their hand, right? Everybody's in for it. Now, it's not like that. Some of you crazy young people don't like that. I don't know. I don't understand. But anyways, my point is, it's not all the same as it used to be. Not everybody was raised. Listen, not everybody was raised in a Christian home with a Christian mom and dad who was born a certain way, who had morals and characters, who taught them right and wrong. Is anybody with me? So do we close up church and say you can only come here if you're just like me? Do we let people in who are different than us? What would Jesus do? He'd want those people that were different. How do we put all those people under the same roof and have any kind of church? Now, there are people in this church who come to my office, and there are people who want to talk, and and it's like, well, this is what we need to do. And it doesn't really matter what anybody else wants. This is just what we need to do. Yeah, I would make a whole bunch of people happy if I did that, but I'd also make a whole lot of people want to leave church. So that's a challenge. That's That's not... that's not the part I want to focus on. Oh, that, that's, just, that's just the church that we are. I believe that's the church we're supposed to be. I believe that's what God would have church to be. But it is a challenge. 
But God has very strongly put it in my heart, and anybody knows who's talked to me, and it's just something God has given me from the, and God knows my heart, I stand before God and testify this, I love every last person here. There is not one single person here I do not like. Listen to me, if you're three years old, if you're a year old, I love you. If you're the oldest person in our church, I love you. If you have wild, crazy ideas that aren't even close to the Bible, I love you. If you've not been raised in church and you, and you don't know the first thing about the Bible, I love you. And if you're deeply rooted and grounded in the Bible, I love you. I want you to stay and I want you to be happy. So preacher, what is the solution? How do we fix this problem? I have the answer, by the way. I hope that everybody here, I hope 100% of you will say, I'm, uh, the, I, I agree with that and I will get on board. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I pray that it will. I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will, will challenge all of you. What if, instead of all of the different things we want, what if every last person here this morning, and everyone joining us online, would come together and unite under a single mission? I don't think it's any secret. Josh just told me this last weekend. I hope it's okay to say this for the church. But Josh just told me this last week. I don't think it's a secret to anybody. I don't think everybody knows. But Josh says, I want to be a missionary. Well, I think we all know that. I want to go to a foreign nation, live in a foreign place, and take the gospel. I want to. But God won't let me. Okay? Well, here's what I want to say. I, <laughs> that's what Mama says. But... But here's what I want to tell you. I'm looking at a whole church full of missionaries. Because what I'm trying to tell you is those people in Sandusky, they need it as bad as the people in Africa. And we ought to be missionaries right here. You know, we have missionaries come in all the time. You guys are crazy supportive. They come in. We give them money. We support them. We support them monthly. We, we do all kinds of things. We say, boy, we're behind you. And we, we appreciate it. You're going to take it to the people over there who don't know. What about the people in Sandusky who don't know any better and on their way to hell? We need some missionaries in Sandusky. We need some missionaries in Ohio. We need some missionaries in the United States. Listen, we're starting to, the Free Baptist Ministry is starting to send out missionaries all over this country because we are now a country that needs to be evangelized. We're no longer the Christian sending. We're now the Christian receiving because our country has lost God. So do you guys want to be missionaries? Josh and Jenny already signed up. You guys want to be missionaries? Amy, want to be a missionary to Sandusky? You say, preacher, you're silly. That's what the Word of God said. It said, when they don't know, when they have the truth and they reject it, they will die and go to hell. I work with a, I, I work with guys. A lot of guys watch me uh, on here, and I, and I appreciate everyone that watched me. I talk to guys at work, but you know, and I've said this so many times, and, and I don't talk to all the really young guys, but all the guys that I work with them, almost every last one of them go to church, say they believe in God, and they all think they're going to heaven. How many of you know that's not true? <laughs> right? But they all believe in God and they all think they're Christians and they all think they're going to heaven. And so if I understood that right, wouldn't it really be a big deal to get them to the true gospel that will keep them out of hell? That's why we're here, people. So here's what I'm trying, and I'm preaching from my heart, and I have begged and begged and begged God for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and to use me and to get me out of the way, and I, and I, I, I'm, I stand here fear and trembling. But here's, a, here's an idea. What about if we set aside what the young people want and set about, aside what the old people want 
Instead about what the new ones want, instead about what the old ones want. And what about if we set aside this uh, tradition and that idea? And, and, you know, I have people who come to me and say, we've never done that in a church before. Insinuate, and we can't do that because we've never done that before. And I have other companies say, why are you doing that? And I have no idea why we're doing it, except that we've just always done it. Isn't it silly to let a people die and go to hell over all of that stuff? What if we just said, we are here for the gospel of Jesus Christ? No other reason. No other reason. Now, if we can get everybody in this country, everybody in this uh, city, and everybody in this state all understanding clearly the gospel, the clear the gospel is established, it's clearly set. Everybody understands. Everybody's been presented with it. Everybody's accepted it. I will. I will be willing then to bicker with you about this, that, and the other that you're really concerned about. But my point has been for a long time. Why are we spending time bickering about these little tiny things that you're wants and this wants and this? If you do that, I'm leaving the church and I'm not coming back. I don't belong here. Oh no, no. What about if we said people are dying and going to hell, and it's time to get serious about? seeing them saved with the gospel I've said this so many times what if it was your grandkids what if it was your babies but but what would you do for your babies there ain't nothing in this world you wouldn't do for them listen if you're grandpa (laughs) ain't nothing you wouldn't do for grandkids now if I thought if, if CJ and Rachel moved off and they moved out to California Okay, and they're living out there, and there's no gospel, and there's no truth, and I thought my little grandbabies were going to die and go to hell. Do you know what I would give to make sure they got the gospel? Can I tell you there's somebody in Sandusky whose little kids are on their way to hell, and their grandparents would give anything if someone would let their light shine about them, and we're too busy about what I want in this church. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Why don't we say we're here for the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're here to keep to spread the gospel, to spread the truth, and to keep people out of hell, and to keep, give people what the Bible says. Now, I, I, I've I really simplified this. You know, um, I could have made a list of fifteen things, but I made this real simple, real simple. Anybody who's been here any amount of time knows that my heartbeat is. I get told all the time, you preach about that all the time. We are so tired about hearing about that. I don't want to hear about that anymore. I'm so tired of it. But anybody here know what my, what my heartbeat is? Truth. Truth. Do you know why my heartbeat is that? Because it's missing. Because it's missing. It's not in our churches. It's not in our pulpits. It's not in our country. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's missing. Truth is missing. Absolute truth is missing. It's missing in, in Christian lives. I talk to so many Christians, they don't have the truth. Truth is missing. So my mission, my reason for being here is to declare the truth of God's word. That's my mission. That's why I am here. Let me just let you in on a little insight. Let me be a little bit bold right here this morning. Let let me just say this. If you are in this church, if you are here and I am the pastor, if God sent me here and he sent you here, if my mission is the truth, your mission is the truth. Does that make sense? No, I have my own mission. Well, that's not right. God set me here, gave me a mission, and that is the mission of the church. If you're coming here because you think the people are friendly and they cook good and you like visiting with them, you're here for the wrong reason. I'm not being rude, I'm just being honest. If you're here because you're sentimental and you've just always been here and this is your church, you're here for the wrong reason. You ought to be coming here because we have a reason to be here. Listen, I don't give my entire life and sacrifice everything that I do and spend all the time I do on this church just because I like to hang out with you guys. All right? I love you guys, but listen, I got other things to do. But there is a mission, 
And that mission is to take the gospel to everyone we possibly can. And we get that done a whole lot better if that was our, if that was our focus. Now I said last week, and this is really important, I want to clarify this. I said last week, the gospel is not just getting them saved. Okay? Jesus died on the cross, and, and, he, and he did that to pay for our sins, but he also did that to give us life abundant, to give us a brand new life, and also to give us a, a life after this life. So, so the gospel, preaching the gospel, it's not just simply saying you need to be saved, it's also seeing, saying how you need to live. So the, the mission is, is declaring the truth, clarifying the gospel. The gospel, this is how you get saved. There's not multiple gospels. There's not multiple ways of looking at the gospel. There is one gospel, and it is clear, and it cannot be compromised, and it cannot be changed. It is clear. There is one way to live right and holy. It's not all the traditions. It's not all the man-made stuff, but there is a clear uh, teaching of the Word of God. Our job is to teach the Word of God in clarity. Listen, we can disagree on how we dress. We can disagree on where we go. We can disagree on a whole bunch of things. We can't disagree with, this, with uh, that, that it's okay uh, for some of the things that plainly are said in the Bible. We've had people in this church who said, I'm a Christian, but we live together. We're not married. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's not an opinion. That's what the Bible says. We've had, I've had people in this church who want to argue with me that homosexuality wasn't a sin. It, it, listen, it's not an opinion that's a fact. It's wrong. And, and we can just go right down there. You know, there, there, are, there are Christians who lie. They don't tell the truth. Say they're a good Christian, but they lie all the time. But the Bible says you can't lie if you're a Christian. So I'm just saying, our job is to declare clearly the gospel. And the gospel is how you get saved and then how you live the Christian life after that. So here's my two points. This is a mission for the whole entire church. Declare the truth, the gospel clearly, and live it. <laughs> right? Can I tell you if we do that, we can change this country. We can change this country. There are a whole bunch of people out there that need Jesus. Now, I want you to understand this. There is a, this is really, I'm trying to talk from my heart, and I don't know if I'm getting this across you guys, but I'm trying to talk from my heart because this is so close to Gary's heart. This is, this, is, this is my heartbeat, people. There is a generation of people coming up right now who do not know God. We do the youth camp. We do a lot of things in this church. We do the youth flame. We do a lot of things in this church to reach the lost. We have a lot of kids in this church. Praise God for that. And praise God for our kids. And praise God for our faithful, dedicated kids. Can we just stop right there and say amen to that? Come on, you guys. Are you guys thankful that we have kids that are dedicated? They're here every Sunday. They're committed. They love Jesus. And they're living a holy life. Praise God for that. They're raising our little kids in the house of God. Praise God for that. But we got a whole generation out there that don't know God. Amen. Now, here, now, let's just back this train up just a little bit. I don't mean to offend. I'm just being honest. We have a whole generation coming up that are not not those out there who don't go to church, but that are being raised inside the church that don't know God. They're not being told the truth. They're not being told how to live holy. They're not being told right and wrong. You know, statistics. I've shared this with you guys before, but statistics. I think Barna says something like eighty to ninety percent of the people, the children who are raised in church, when they get to the age of high school, when they leave high school, they will leave the church and never come back. And that was really discouraging to me for a long time. And we use that statistic a lot. And that is the national statistic of all across the country. All, all the kids that are raised in church, when they, when they get to high school age, they never come back. And there's a reason for that too, by the way. But there's also another thing they left out of that. That 80-90% that leave the church, most of those were raised in a church where they weren't taught truth 
in holiness and righteousness. But here's an interesting thing. The churches where they actually teach the truth and holiness and righteousness, look around, this is what they get. Can we just stop right here and say, is anybody with me? Listen, we got Jamie, we got Rachel, we got Jenny, we got Lucas and CJ and, and, and Jacob and all these young people. Are, and Josh is even a little bit young. And all these people that are here, we got all of these all these young people here. And they were raised in the house of God and they're still in the house of God. Why is that? Because they were taught the truth when they were young. And now we've got a whole generation of people that are being raised inside the church. And as soon as they get a chance, they will leave the church and they will never come back. Unless... They get the real thing. And then they won't leave the church. Listen, you try and get rid of some of these young people. You try and get rid of them. Listen, <laughs> they're kind of determined. Right? I mean, some of you guys, we could, it would, I could hurt your feelings religion, you wouldn't come back. These guys, they're here serious. You know why that is? Because they know why they're here. That's why we all need to be why we're here. And what I'm trying to paint you a picture of, I, I can remember when they were, they were this big running around the church. And now they're 30 years old, almost. And now we have other little kids running around church. And that next generation needs the truth. And if we don't drive that down strong and hard, listen, nobody, I know all of you are scared to death about what, what, what the president's going to do and everything else. Listen to me. That's not our concern. We are here to spread the gospel. We're going to spread the gospel. We're going to spread the truth. If he says we're not allowed to have church anymore, if he says we're going to lock you up, if you do have truth, we're going to spread the truth. We're going to spread the gospel. We're going to do what is right. We're going to live holy lives. We're going to tell other people about Jesus. If they take our freedoms, if all the things they do, if they take our guns, if they say take our free speech, we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to tell people about Jesus. Anybody with me on that? We got a whole generation that's depending on us. I realize every day of my life that my days will soon be over and I won't be here anymore. You know, I might have a few days left. I might have a few years left. But one way or the other, I don't have a whole lot of time left. And, in, and I believe the Bible says that as man's life is but a vapor. If i got 20 or 30 years left, that is, look back at the last 30 years, how fast they went by. If you got 30 years left, you ain't got much time left. But what I realize is when I am gone... I realize this. We, listen, we got three young preachers in this church. And I'm not trying to ramble. I'm just trying to pour my heart to you guys. we got three young preachers in this church. And I can't even tell you how my heart is burdened for those three young preachers and how, how, how serious that that matter is. But here's what I know. I could drop dead tomorrow. I pray to God that there is someone that will take the charge and say, we will not compromise on the truth in this church. And if I don't get that in them three preachers before I leave this planet, this church could go any way it wants to. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Why do you preach on truth all the time? It's just truth and truth and truth and truth. I'm so tired of hearing truth. It's just truth every time you get up. Because it matters. Because everybody else has forsaken truth. And we don't establish truth. We're going to all go to hell. We've got to get serious about this thing. We've got to keep everybody we can out of hell. Not only do we have a generation that's on their way to hell. But we have a whole entire nation that's really confused right now. They're confused. I said this last week, I think, or something, but I talked to the guys who were just talked to the guys that work again this week. I talk about grown men my age, and they're so confused, they're so scared, they don't even want to go out of the house. Listen to me, I talk about sinners that are scared to death of the president, what the president's going to do. Scared to death. Rightfully so. Right? But here's the thing isn't that a great time to say, hey guys, I got the answer? It's not Republican, <laughs> his name's Jesus. 
you get him, you won't have to worry about the guy in the White House. I got Jesus, I'm not worried about the guy in the White House. Can I tell you what? He can't take away my Jesus. Amen? He can't take, listen, you can't pass the law to take away my Jesus. He can lock me up. He can do what he wants to with me. He can't take away my Jesus. Right? So, how many of you think this is important? We've got a generation, we've got a nation, and we've got a whole bunch of churches. Let, let me give you this, and I will try to, try to I, I don't want to belabor the point. I don't know how many, I tried to sit down this morning and figure out, I didn't do it on paper or whatever, but, but just work with me. How many churches do we, are we associated with? Take all the churches we go to camp with, all the churches in our conference, all the churches that, uh, from Youth of Flame, all the Free Will Baptist churches, all the churches we listen to and associate with and contact with all across the country. How many churches is that? I, I don't know that number. Probably 100 churches, 150 churches. I, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of churches. So of those 100, 150 churches, how many people are in those churches? Talking about a lot of people, right? I, I don't know the exact number of all that, but we're associated with a lot of people. I'm not here throwing stones. I'm not here being ugly. I'm just here pouring my heart out to you. How many of those people genuinely have the truth and are going to make it to heaven? Isn't it time that somebody says this is serious? Isn't it time that you guys sitting in the pew say, I'll set everything else aside. We have a mission. It is to clarify the gospel and to live it. That's our mission, people. I preach about messed up people all the time. It's not a very good title. But what I mean by that is there are people who have made some horrible mistakes in their lives. They've done terrible, terrible things. They, they've ransacked their families. They've ransacked their health. They've, they've been into addiction. They've been all these different things. Those are the people we want. There, there are people who have not been raised in church and don't know anything about church and probably going to call them in and cause all kinds of headaches and heartaches. That's the kind of people we want. There are people of all different races and colors and, and backgrounds and, and everything else that, that see things totally different and don't like cornbread and soup beans. They will want to come to this church. And we want those kind of people in our church, right? Amen. What I'm trying to say is we are here to spread the gospel and we don't get to pick and choose we want. But we can't do that if we don't see what our mission is. And our mission is to church, declare the gospel. And as I read that text this morning... And I began to pray about it. It was like the Lord just opened up my eyes. The condition of our country. The condition of our churches. Condition that we're in. Now, if we're, a lot of people run around saying it's the end of time. Okay? It's the end of time. So let me ask you this. If it is the end of time, don't you think we ought to get serious? I don't know about you, but some of the little petty things we argue about and get mad about and get our feelings hurt about, I don't want to be arguing about that when Jesus comes. I want to be telling people about Jesus and keeping them out of hell. Is anybody with me this morning? And that's our mission. That's why we're here. That's why I am here. I believe that's why you are here. I hope you will pray about it. And I hope we will all come together in unity and agree. Things may not always be the way. Can I just tell you? I've said this a thousand times. Can I just say There's a whole lot of things that goes on in the church I don't like. I hear that all the time. Well, I don't like that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm leaving. I don't like it. Listen to me. Everybody feels that way. Everybody feels that way. And, and, and while I'm at, let me, just, let me just, I don't want this to be discouraging, but I really want to clarify this. So just, I really feel like the last month or two, I feel like the devil's been working overtime. In my head, is, my head has just been, just constantly, I, I, I just, just, I want to quit. 
Because the devil's messing with my mind. Everybody in the church has turned against you. Everybody hates you. Nobody wants you. I have those kind of thoughts. But here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing from a lot of you. You guys are telling other people. You guys talk to A lot of you are thinking that it's hopeless. There's no sense going on. Uh, the church is falling apart. All these different things. You know what it is? The devil's messing with our mind. Time is short. The Bible says something about the devil knows that his time is short. And he's working hard. He's working hard to stop us. we got to come together and spread the gospel. We can't stop. We can't back up. We go forward for Jesus. Amen. Let me have a good amen. 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 We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.